Thank you for listening to the Roundtable Consult, where we discuss political and social issues that matter to you from a spiritual, medical, and legal perspective. Join the conversation with your host, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams. Welcome to the Roundtable Consult. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Williams, and I am joined today at a special hour with my co-host, Attorney Sonia Madison. Good afternoon, Sonia. How you doing? I'm doing good. Good. You're looking beautiful as ever. Actually, <laughs> better than I know usual. <laughs> I know how much you enjoy my profile picture. Uh, but no, since oh, you, which is usually on uh, Saturdays, you know, I get all pretty up, do the town round table, and then get to cleaning around the house. So since <laughs> I had to change my schedule to accommodate oh. the great Dr. Williams, uh, I'll be mid cleaning. As long as you recognize the greatness. Not just kidding. <laughs> hey, if I say it enough, it may become true. Speak it. No. Speak life into it. Right. I sort of had good reason to uh to delay today. Sort of, sort of, sort of, sort of. You know, I'm in Massachusetts. I'm in Boston. And uh my father's brother passed and so we came up to celebrate uh, his life and his home going with him. That was yesterday. Um, but since I had all of my brothers here, we figured we'd take uh, a moment to come together and actually spend some time together. So yesterday evening was good for us to all get out together for dinner and no shots fired, really, you know, no, no, <laughs> no fists thrown or no blows thrown or anything like that. Uh, we actually had a really good time, lots of laughs. And then this morning we figured we, a couple of us would go out and go fishing. And so, uh, my two of my brothers and I went fishing this morning. The two that are the biggest haters weren't in Roosevelt. Yes. I'm calling you out by name. And the reason why is because when I went to, uh, Las Cabos and I went deep sea fishing, I caught this huge selfish, well, maybe as far as selfish goes, it probably wasn't extremely huge, but it was the biggest fish I've ever caught. It was like 90 pound fish, taller than me or any of my brothers, as well as another rooster fish, which was probably <laughs> another 60 pounds or so. And so I think they were just incredibly jealous because they have never caught fish so big. And the pictures that I took was not sufficient for them to believe that it was me. They, they claimed that I fabricated the photos or asked somebody else to get on their boat, drive out in the middle of the ocean and take a picture with their fish. I'm not sure why that would happen, but uh, because I didn't have live video, they said it didn't happen. I'm like, okay, are you serious? There's only two of us on the boat, me and the captain. But okay, he was supposed to take some video. Okay, we new rules, new rules in order to subvert the hatred. So I took him out today and had to go show them again how to catch fish. And of course, guess who won the pot? You know, we don't gamble on fish, but we did have a pot. Uh, first fish, biggest fish, and guess who won them both? Yours truly, of course. And it was it was so um, poetic. It was almost poetic because the two of them that hated the most on my Las Cabos catches were there today and were defeated live and in person by the great fisherman, Dr. Mark Williams. And so, um, you know, no doubt that my Uncle Mose Brown spirit was with me this morning and has shined on me as well in order to render that favor uh, in fishing this morning. So that's where I am. So you all, please forgive me for delaying um, the show this morning and for, you can thank me for not having to see Sonya this afternoon though. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was going to say, that. you have so few moments that you outshine your brothers that I'm going to let you have <laughs> the two-minute platform <laughs> to boast. <laughs> you obviously don't know my, my brothers very well. Oh, do I not? <laughs> not a lot of shine. That, that it doesn't take a lot of shine to outshine some of them. Though, it's all right. I love I love my brothers. Remember we had this show <laughs> where everything was like, yes, I love all my brothers. Like we were reading a script. <laughs> I mean, I did have to put it in the chat for you guys to repeat one by one, but <laughs> Chris, you haven't said it yet. <laughs> oh, that's why everybody well, I... ganged up on Earl because you put that in the chat too, huh? <laughs> Well, I'm glad you made it out there safely. I take it it's a little cold, or is that just your typical sweatshirt slash jacket that you like to <laughs> put on during your travels? <laughs> well, you know the weather is getting chilly, uh, but it was it was a bit chilly on the water this morning. We got out there like five o'clock in the morning, and traveling on that water it was a bit cold. The sun came up and caught some beautiful a beautiful sunrise and. And it was chilly out there, so I had a sweatshirt on. So I still have my sweatshirt on. Good thing that we're doing this by Zoom so nobody smells the fish on me. <laughs> <laughs> right, because you caught so many. But, you know, we, we, we've been absent for the past couple of weeks. And there, I do have a question that I've been wanting to ask you. But you, the, the booster shot, because I was I had lunch with one of my former colleagues and she was telling me that she, you know, she got the booster. She's all good. And I guess I hadn't really thought about getting the booster. Um, so can you kind of educate me and some of the viewers when if if we should get it, when to get it, all that kind of stuff? Wow. That's a tough load right now. And I'll, <laughs> I'll preface all of this by saying I haven't done all of the research on it. But what I do know, just in general about boosters in the first place, uh, whenever you develop an immunity for some things, that immunity is lifelong. For example, chickenpox, your immunity for chickenpox is is lifelong for people uh, who have gotten the vaccination. So you don't really need to get a booster shot. Um, but for some things like tetanus, for example, if you haven't had a tetanus shot within 10 years of an injury of a dirty piece of metal or something like that, when you go to the doctor and have that address, they'll probably recommend that you get a booster shot. And the reason is because those antibodies don't last very long. And the only way that you find out what the duration of the, uh, the protection that's provided by an immunization or an exposure to an illness for that matter, um, is to test it. And coronavirus is new. First of all, it, let me say SARS-CoV-2 is new. COVID-19 is new. Coronavirus is not new. Coronavirus is one of those common viruses that, uh, that we see year to year with a common code. Typically, we don't generate long-lasting immunity to it. We've developed these vaccines. Great. They are effective against preventing severe illness and protecting you from severe illness. People who are not vaccinated are something like 11 times more likely to get hospitalized or to have serious disease and maybe even result in death. Um, it does not protect as well against infection. So 50 still, I think the number is somewhere around 50 percent protection against infection, especially since the Delta virus has come out. So we expect that since we've only had this virus, the vaccine for uh, less than a year, that we're starting to learn more about the length of and the, the durability of the immunity that it produces. If it follows the pattern of normal coronaviruses, you would not expect it to have lifelong protection uh, from a single or a, a dual vaccination as depending on which vaccine you got. Johnson & Johnson versus Moderna or Pfizer. So you wouldn't expect it to last long, but in order to really find out, you have to test these things. And so they've been testing it and, and they've been determining that the, the protection wanes over time as expected. And so now they're recommended, the FDA actually has approved a third booster shot for Pfizer several weeks ago. J&J uh, &J and Moderna are now... Uh, presenting their information to the FDA. And I believe over the past day or so, 
there had been some recommendations made to the uh, FDA to authorize a booster, especially for the J&J, which is those of you who remember J&J was only a one and done vaccination. And so the belief of that is that it may actually take more than one injection to boost J&J's efficacy. So I think they're probably a little bit more lenient on whether or not they're going to recommend and or accept the recommendations for um, a booster shot with J&J. But the whole purpose of a booster is that it helps to boost your immune system and still provide you additional protection. And right now they are recommending that certain people who are at higher risk, whether those are comorbidities, the elderly, whether they're healthcare workers and people who are have a high risk of exposure, people are getting their third uh, booster shot and are doing well with that. We see an increase in their protection. So uh, those people who are considering getting that booster shot, I encourage you to talk to your, your primary care doctor who has a much more intimate knowledge of what your medical conditions are and your indications for getting that booster shot. Even though we're starting to see a decline in the number of COVID cases, right now I think it's something like 56% of Americans are fully vaccinated, which is still too low for herd immunity. We expect to see maybe 70-80% of Americans vaccinated for it. But we're starting to see a decline. And I think it's because of a combination of the number of people who have gotten infected with COVID and also those the 56 or so percent who are now fully vaccinated. Well, and I do I think have- employers gonna are having some something to do with that as well, requiring some of their employees to, not even some, but their employees to get vaccinated. I know you saw in the news about Kyrie Irving sitting out um, because he's refusing to get vaccinated. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. When we talk about the booster, I'm like, okay, is this something I'm going to have to get every year or every six months? Or, um, But I hear you say, hey, talk to your primary care physician, you may or may not need it, but at the same time, it's still new. So I guess it just doesn't hurt. Um, and, and I take it as still free. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but do let me know if the government changed their stance on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, according to all the conspiracy theorists and anti-vaxxers, the government just wants to get rich off of this. Um, there are very, very many other ways that the government can get rich off of you. First of all, they can start by taxing you higher. <laughs> and so that's one way which to do they, it. Which has been done. <laughs> And we'll be done again, especially for people, especially for people in your tax bracket, according to Joe Biden. (laughs) No, the low middle class. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Most of the people that was excited about the Trump tax changes were the upper, like yourself. I was like, (laughs) but have you noticed? (laughs) Yeah, right. Have you noticed how many people are infuriated about employers requiring the vaccination and in fact governor abbott over the past week issued an executive order preventing uh companies from requiring a mandate and and i'm sitting thinking like or or preventing them from complying even with the government with the federal mandate i'm like how do you do that how does a state get to how does a governor get to implement a law or write an executive order that supersedes the authority of the federal government. That just doesn't seem like that would hold water. And I know a lot of the larger corporations are actually defying that order and still making those mandates. Yeah, it won't. But, you know, it's it's too soon to tell because, I again, I know the Biden is trying to use OSHA, which is the Occupational Safety and Health Act, I believe, um, or administration, to to essentially enforce a, a mandate because there is no federal executive order right now, um, but it, he's hoping OSHA will go ahead and do it. I know OSHA is planning on deciding in November if they're going to make that mandate. So as it stands right now, there is no set mandate. But as you said, again, if, it, if the federal government does, through even through OSHA, make that out there, state law is not going to trump federal law. And so it won't be, it won't pass muster in the, in the courts by that standpoint. Um, but it's it's also baffling because again we're talking about conservative governments that are typically doing this who would promote typically the autonomy of employers to make those decisions. 
<laughs> and so to then come on the back end and say, well, now I'm going to stop you from making that decision. It's like, okay, do you even follow your own political philosophy anymore? <laughs> Are we really just going the wave of Trumpsters right now? <laughs> Apparently convictions convictions only matter when they favor you in your position. <laughs> but beyond that, when they start to contradict your own positions, then those convictions can be, they're malleable, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do recall, um, and I don't know how big you are on sports, but I believe her name is Sage Steele, went on a podcast with Jay Cutler, I believe, and talked to not only about how she did not like ESPN's mandate, and that she subsequently did get the shot, but she found it very, I should say the shot, the vaccination, she found it very scary and did and disagree with it. But she also got in trouble, and I believe she suspended, but she also got in trouble for essentially being critical of President Obama identifying as Black. And, um, and you know, a lot of taking the positions against a lot of um, minority issues. But I, I've just, she's always been a polarizing figure and, you know, I know we're going to talk about Dave Chappelle today. So I, 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 it's a hard line. And I, I, don't, I don't imagine some of the stuff I say could be considered hypocritical from one way or the other. But on the one hand, I, I get, you know, if you want to voice your concern about the vaccine or about um, people's identity, or, and I should say concern, your lack of understanding. Okay, I can get that. But when you take it to the point of essentially dismissing and then crying that, hey, you're dismissing me. Okay, but you've already dismissed me. And now you're crying because I've responded by dismissing you. <laughs> you know? I, 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 just, I don't know. I just find that very interesting. Well, I think it, it all flows down to this this concept that I like to call self-supremacy. Everything everything has to revolve around me. There's nothing that is not just me personally, but I'm saying the mentality that I think Americans are developing, maybe not just in America, maybe it's worldwide. And I think I posted something on Facebook some months ago and said selfies are destroying America. And and I know that that was provocative. People are like, how can a selfie destroy America? It's not just selfie itself. It's that mentality. It's that whole, hey, focus on me. Everything that has everything that is done has to be has to benefit me all of my rights trump what is right you know i don't I, we, we've <laughs> lost we've lost concern for doing things out of virtue and out of uh integrity and have resorted to doing things only and believing things and supporting things only that benefit us whether it's right or wrong whether it's truth or fake if it doesn't benefit me, if it doesn't support the narrative that I like, then I'm going to discredit or disparage it in some way, shape or form. And that I think that whole mentality is destructive to the U.S. It's destructive in terms of uh, I'm, I'm really worried about it because of how policy is implemented. Like you said, the conservatives, a lot of conservatives who typically don't like government interference in corporate business now are excited about you know the government governor writing an executive order preventing a private company from from voluntarily implementing a vaccine mandate it, to my understanding the unvaccinated is not a protected group under the constitution is that correct <laughs> i mean so far no <laughs> okay. uh, you know so, so far I, no yeah, I think um, it's race, gender, sexual orientation, religion, and probably one or two other well, things. Well, and not but necessarily sexual orientation. Anymore. They've put it under sex. Um, they don't necessarily. But, but you know, to that point, I think um, a lot of people, you know, have been critical of Facebook lately. And, you know, the whistleblower came out and said essentially Facebook knew that their um, Instagram and others were going to be harmful to particularly teenage teenagers and teenage girls. But instead of putting in metrics or some type of technical me mechanisms to avoid certain messages or certain stories to come out and therefore directly harm, they encouraged it. 
And we know Facebook stays in Congress discussing various tools that they put in place to avoid false information per se. But the question is, again, whether Facebook is a private entity, it's not a, it's not a government entity, but at the same time, Facebook is often being portrayed as news. And so then you're like, okay, is there this line here from, all right, we do have to protect communications. You know, we've got the FTC for that. But at the same time, like you, like you said, there is, it's a private entity. Is it their responsibility to essentially be the protector in, in that sort? Or are they supposed to be the arbiters of truth? Are they supposed to go through and analyze every piece of data that it is posted on there and determine whether or not it's truth? And and this is why people get so <laughs> upset with them because they're saying, well, they censor everything else and you know what they believe is truth. Well, it's their platform, so they have the the, the right to determine. I use it as the analogy of uh, um, they're a publisher. They publish information. Uh, they publish media. And every media publisher has an editor and the editor determines what gets published and what does not get published. And so from my standpoint, Facebook has a right to be able to do that. But I think some of the biggest criticisms that have come uh, toward them recently has been in the realm of their responsibility. Now, we, when we talk about rights, we should always be talking about responsibilities, too, because no one wants to. To, to own up to the responsibility that are inherent in those rights that they have. But the responsibility, as you were saying, with the Instagram and how it how it was destructive uh, to teens' self-images and even worse in other countries, how they have how Facebook has been used to organize violence and organize um, political uprising is it upheavals and things of that nature are they supposed to be the ones who do they have an an obligation to try to quell some of that when possible are they policing that 100 percent of the time and then i guess the other question is is the biggest criticism is how they're making money off of negative posts you know because people stay more engaged when the content is of a negative um nature <clears throat> And the longer you can keep people engaged, the more money that Facebook makes. And I found it was quite hypocritical of the news media to criticize <laughs> Facebook of that because they do the same thing. I'm so tired of hearing about Gabby Petito right now <laughs> <laughs> and, and laundry. I'm so tired of it. But, you know, but they keep running those same stories because of the sensationalism and they know what drives their revenue sources. And so they feed their audiences what their audience want to or need to stay engaged so that they can generate more and more revenue. And so it's that love of money that produces that evil. Yeah, but I will say to some degree, and, and the thing also about Facebook is that they're essentially selling you. And so they're determining what articles do you like or what information are you drawn to and they're loading you with that information. And, and that's why to some degree, you know, I, we, we had this person, yeah, several people on the show that talked about conspiracy theories, but then I imagine that's what's blowing up on their Facebook page, whereas that's not what's blowing up on mine. Um, whereas the news, I mean, yeah, I see it all the time. I didn't, you know, I'm, it's unfortunate she died and it's unfortunate that that played out. At the same time, of course, I'm like, I'm sure there are tons of missing people, particularly minorities that don't get nearly the same uh, coverage and exposure as she as she had. Um, and so then, you know, all right, there is that biasness on that other end, whereas Facebook is using me to then try to keep me tapped in and drawn. And whether that's good or bad, I, I know is being the debate. Um, as far as Facebook is concerned, because again, if you know people are drawn to false news and you keep throwing it out there as truth, that is harmful, as we see um, for a lot of different people. Uh, so, I mean, I, I see that kind of difference there for at least from my standpoint. But how is CNN, Fox, OAN, uh, MSNBC any different? 
because they kept really, you know, if you ask someone who watched Fox News all the time and are drawn into Fox News all the time and you ask them what percentage of BLM protests were violent, they probably tell you at least 90 percent of them were violent. And really, it was about 93 percent of them were peaceful and about they, they kept highlighting and focusing in on the seven percent. Why? Because it was driving the the return and and kept driving the engagement of their viewers. Why do you want to keep your viewers engaged? Because the longer you keep your viewers engaged, the more money that you can make. And that's what they've been accusing and criticizing Facebook for. But they're doing the very same thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want to go with Fox News as your. CNN, MSNBC, they do the same thing. They feed their viewers what their view, what keeps their viewers engaged. I think but they that missed it on that. this Gabby Petito thing. <laughs> And about it, but to me, the Gabby, it was true that she was missing. It was true that she was a social media influencer. And so, I mean, yeah, they were driving it, but they were harping on what was truly out there. Whereas, you know, Fox News, I'm sorry. That's why I was like, I don't know if that's the best. Um, and they, Fox News tried to, tries to differentiate between, oh, well, that's commentary versus this is the journal, journalism side. And CNN, to your point, CNN does the same thing. Um, and, and sadly, maybe it's my bias. I don't feel like they're as extreme as Fox News. But I will say Fox News wasn't always that extreme. And, but to your point, when you've got more viewers coming or, or getting on the show and, and spitting out a lot more conspiracy theories, and then you got Tucker Carlson, who, again, wasn't always that extreme, but sees that this is what's driving my rating. So let me go that extreme. I mean, I do think that they are causing a lot of, of recklessness by doing that. And so, yeah, I would hold them to the fire like I would hold Facebook to the fire for that. So where's the culpability? I mean, should they should they endure some type of legal culpability or do we now then enact Congress and does Congress need to step in and have exert some type of authority over an organization that is a communication uh, media or <laughs> well, communication you see platform. Congress is, you see, Congress is trying to step in on Facebook. The problem is, as we discussed earlier, is Facebook's a private entity. So then, you know, if you do it, if you if Congress does try to make Facebook do more, then you're essentially going to open the door to impose similar restrictions on various private communications are not even similar any other restrictions on the the guys that well the there's president said that congress is going to hear okay why not why not do it for mobile companies or why not do it for any other things that's separate from from even media so it's it's gonna i don't know i mean it's it's a hard line to draw but i guess you again if the government interest and always default default to that but if we see from a government interest standpoint, that it is taking us down a rabbit hole that is causing like a COVID-19 to happen and we cannot get herd immunity because these false narratives continue to put 600, 700, 800,000 lives at risk, then you have to decide, is that where we draw the line? Well, that's only assuming that you believe that that COVID is real and assuming <laughs> that you believe that it's causing the deaths uh, because those people who don't believe it will, will one get upset because Facebook is censoring their misinformation or disinformation. And then they are supposed to be the freedom of speech people, but then they still want Congress to jump in and regulate <laughs> Facebook, you know, come in and censor Facebook. Right. So Facebook <laughs> so, has no freedom of speech, right? It's just, <laughs> but you know, speaking of, and I know this is what we were planning on talking to, should Dave Chappelle be canceled? Because I mean, he has a freedom of speech right to do his Netflix special. And a lot of people are supportive of it. I know I watched it and this is probably going to get me in trouble. But I did not see it as inciting violence against trans people. 
And so, but that is the other uh, argument. That is what people are saying why it should be canceled because it is speech that is inciting or encouraging violence against trans people. Well, most I, I did watch the show. Actually, I fell asleep on a little bit. Of, <laughs> so clearly, you weren't incited to do much. <laughs> I was not much. I was incited to sleep. <laughs> but. I'll tell you this. This is what I, I, I admire about Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, I felt almost like he was giving a sermon, you know, not hooping and hollering, you know, black Baptist church type of sermon. But I felt like he was giving a sermon and adding elements of of laughter and comedy into it to make it a little bit more palatable. Uh, I do think that he made some very valid points. One of the things was he said uh, how he said. How is it that LGBT thing, they, the LGBTQ community have come in in a matter of 30 years, done what we couldn't do under black civil rights for, you know, hundreds of years? And and that question still remains unanswered to me. I, I, I have my own idea of why <laughs> that happened, but... And, and actually, he did answer some of that, too, which I thought was one of the other more profound things that he says. He says, the LGBTQ community are minorities until they need They're to be not. white. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, Dave, you're going to get in trouble with saying that. But it's so true. It is so true. When you can when you can turn on what you need to be, the convictions that you need to have. Uh, and turn those things off when you need to turn them off. I'm concerned about that because it then, like I said, feeds and reflects that the whole notion of self supremacy. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I get what he was saying, and I think he made a, a a lot of very interesting points, and he brought some humor to it. I appreciate that about him. Um, do I believe that he should be canceled because of it? Listen, I'm a believer in cancel culture. Um, in fact, I say it's not cancel culture, it's capitalism. And the reason why is that I believe that society should determine for that society what is the limit of acceptability. And the only way that, or the most effective way that society can exert its influence is in the pocketbook, in the bank account to say, hey, listen, if we disapprove of something that you say and society demands and says you are outside the bounds of what's acceptable, society should be able to cancel you. At least I think in a free society, in a in a free society, in a capitalistic society. And, and that can go for whether you're a comedian, whether you're a, a NFL Politician. team owner or head coach, <laughs> as we saw, got, you know, <laughs> we had another person get canceled because of some of his things um the co the the raiders coach and or whether you're a pastor or whether you're you know regardless of what your position in in society or in a company is if your behavior is outside the limits of what's acceptable by that society or by that organization they should have the ability to cancel you that even goes for that matter with christianity I don't like it. I don't like the fact that if I'm going to express my Christian faith that I can get persecuted for it. But if that's what the society determines that's going to happen, then as a Christian, my conviction is to stand firm in my conviction, to stand firm in my faith. The Bible already tells us that we should count ourselves blessed when men revile us and when we are persecuted for Christ's sake. Why are we why are we worried about those type of things? This is the society we said that we wanted to live in. We wanted to live in a free society. So let society do what society deems most appropriate. Well, I mean, let's be clear. I feel like most people that are complaining about cancel culture are conservatives. And and, and sadly, <laughs> conservatives is now a bad word. And I hate to say that because to be honest, I mean, I consider myself in my lifestyle a conservative. Um, more meaning that, you know, I'm very traditional. Um, I, I, I do kind of try the best that I can. I mean, I always fall short um, to, yes, to go do. by what, <laughs> and there's nothing like people like you to, to be self-righteous to remind me, but, you know, 
Uh, but for the most part, people that do cry, oh, I'm being canceled, are are people that claim to be in this, uh, you know, cult of conservatism. Um, but I, t- from my perspective, I don't really think anyone gets canceled, to be honest. I think because um, even when you are going so extreme, at some point, I mean, looking at Olivia Jade, who is on Dancing with the Stars now, the whole college scandal. I mean, that was clearly against the law. And based on even what you're saying, we have recognized as a society, you should be canceled when you do something like that. But now here she is on in the running on this show and, and is doing better than I am. And I haven't committed any <laughs> legal infractions. So um, I, I really don't think anyone is per se canceled um, and, and particularly in light of you know, this is capitalism and all, it is all about money. And certain people are just always going to be able to generate, whether it's their physical image or whether it's their extreme views, they're going to be able to find an audience that will pay to hear it. So I don't think even Dave Chappelle, I mean, as, many, as much as the people that are decrying his special, just as many are very supportive and he will continue to laugh, cry, whatever, with tons of millions of dollars in his pocket. Um, But I do think there is a problem. And again, I even say this um, for people who are extreme racist. It is a problem per se if you, if I don't, if I can't hear what you have to say. I mean, I want to be able to make an informed decision as to whether or not I want you in my space. And so me personally, yes, I should feel okay counseling you even if society doesn't. But if you feel like, oh, well, you're going to make judgment on me and that's why I don't say it, I don't, then, then you're putting this facade in front of me and I don't, I don't even know what to do with that. Um, but as far as Dave Chappelle's comments, again, a lot of the stuff that he was talking about, um, particularly as it relates to the trans, and it was really more about trans women than anything, about this idea that, okay, there is a woman by biology, and you can probably speak more on that. Um, she carries babies to term. She has, you know, has cycles. I mean, there there's an experience of a woman that is going to be different than the experience of a trans woman. And to be able to point that out without getting canceled is unfair. And I, again, I, you know, I, I feel like a lot of and even and even for men, you know, one of the things I often run there, wondered, and again, I'm, I'm vocalizing this, and if people want to chime in and say, well, let me explain it to you by all means. But I also, I will. As a, I guess it. you'll explain it on behalf of a trans yes. woman. <laughs> but, but as a man, you know, if, if someone isn't honest about, hey, I'm a trans woman, but projects that they're a woman, I find that unfair to you or unfair to the man. I think a man should know and vice versa. If, if as a woman, if I am talking to a, a person who, uh, who is actually a transgender male and doesn't share that with me and then says I should be canceled for being upset about the fact that you didn't share that because in your mind, we should consider everyone who identifies as a woman to be woman and everyone identifies as male to be male. I don't find that fair. I would like to know if I'm going to be able to produce a child with you. And I don't think that there is anything wrong with that. I agree with you. I was, I had this thought the other day. I said, how does a male monkey identify a female monkey or, or some of these um, animals or species that are gender ambiguous, meaning that you don't immediately distinguish which one is male or female. Peacock, yeah. A peacock is obvious. Okay, the ones with the pretty flowers are males, but the other ones just aren't women. But then there are some certain uh, species like a turtle. How do you look at it? How does a male turtle look at a female turtle and say, ooh, that's a female. I think I want to mount her. <laughs> and and they go ahead and, and there's got to be something that helps to distinguish the genders that allows in nature for 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 procreation and for uh, uh, perpetuation of a species uh, through procreation. 
But humans, however, have clear distinguishing features that says, yes, you should be male. Yes, you should be female. And if there is a natural proclivity for a heterosexual encounter, that it then is birthed from that. But I, I do think that it would be, you know, the old bait and switch deal if you um, appear to be a very, very attractive woman. And some of these trans guys, I'm like, they're gorgeous. <laughs> and then you find out that it's a man. You're like, oh, what does that say about me? Am I, am I gay? Am I, you know, and not to say that if you're gay, that there's anything wrong with it. That's your that's your life. That's where you like to live it. And, you know, that's for me. My lifestyle is a heterosexual lifestyle, and I'm not ashamed of that. And I don't think I should be made to feel ashamed of that. And I don't think I'm going to try to make you feel ashamed of your homosexual lifestyle. That's probably where the problem comes in, is that we we pass a lot of judgments. And um, it's okay for me to think that your lifestyle is incongruent with what I perceive to be holiness. It's okay for that to happen. It's okay for you to perceive that my lifestyle is incongruent with what you perceive to be holiness. And when we all get to heaven or when one of us get to heaven and the other one don't, then it'll all come out in the wash. Or if we both wind up in hell, we'd be like, both of us were wrong. But the point is, is that every person has to be persuaded by their own convictions. And without casting dispersions on other people who happen to believe other than us, I'm I'm learning this whole thing to say, you know, no, I can't put anybody in heaven. I can't put anybody in hell. So I'm learning to say, but as for me and my household and what I teach my children, this male is male, female is female. If you are a male and want to identify as and be referred to as a female, I'm okay calling you female he she it whatever you whatever your it. preferred pronoun <laughs> if if you prefer to be called a it i'll call you a it it doesn't matter <laughs> i'm not saying that you know i'm not saying that to disparage those people i'm saying whatever you want to be called if you want to be called uh he she they. or shell us we you know i don't care what i call you just you just help me understand what makes you feel better about and comfortable about who you are supposed to be so that you don't interfere with me being able to be comfortable and say who I'm supposed to be. I, I don't have anything to do with your choices. I can The best that I can do is to offer to you, invite you into the faith that I have, invite you, not force you, but to invite you into the faith that I have and share with you how this faith works. And if you choose to accept it or not, that's your prerogative. You can invite me into yours as well. And when I choose to say, you know what? I think I like my Christian beliefs a little bit better than your pluralistic beliefs, then then it's okay. We can still coexist. We can still love each other and we don't have to cancel each other. I like how you say nobody's ever canceled. So ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here on first on uh, Roundtable Console. They are not. <laughs> this is not going to be cancel culture. We're going to have suspension society. I mean, <laughs> but that's the canceled. truth. They're they, just suspended. People are not canceled. I mean, but even in, and even in that suspension, okay, you'll get your, you'll have your moment of probably feeling canceled. But again, like, I mean, I can, you point out any person in history and you can still, I mean, even Hitler, I'm sure his valuables are still worth tons and tons of millions of dollars. And it is a sad state of affairs, the fact that anyone will want anything that was once owned by Hitler. But we know that there are people that do want that and will pay a substantial amount of money um, to have those in possessions. I mean, that's why the Nazi party or white supremacists that use those um, signs still make those purchases, still identify with that mentality. So I mean, I don't think anyone's necessarily ever canceled. Um, but my my thing is one, and I think we both agree on this. At any point, if I am infringing on your freedom in terms of putting you in jail or harming you physically, um, or, or even preventing you, or do we know no legally preventing you from employment? Yes, that is wrong of me, and I do need to be suspended as you like to say for that but that to me was not what Dave Chappelle was doing and I, I I think he and I think is what we are scared to do he's saying be honest 
you know, do if you're going to, you know, identify as a she when you were born a he, be honest that, hey, I'm a transgender woman. When you project that you're a woman and as a female, to some degree, and this is, I think, what Dave Chappelle is saying, to some degree, you're discrediting the hardships as well as success that women biologically born have to experience in that life in that life frame. And and, okay. and to be fair, as a transgender woman, I don't doubt that you also have struggles and, and you know highs and lows. But then let me understand it from that view. I'm not going to have the same experience that a transgender female will have. And let's so I'm just like, let's just have honest conversations about that. You, do you think that we're really at a place where we can have this type of honest conversation without the fear of being um, ostracized, without the fear of being discriminated against, or even for that matter, bodily a fear of bodily harm? I, I don't I don't know how that conversation actually comes up. Let's say, for example, you're a transgender woman, you know, and I've wondered that sometimes myself. I'm sure you're right. <laughs> <laughs> now you're gonna get can- suspended. <laughs> Right. You'll be suspended by women, not trans. You'll be suspended by women. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with it. Once or twice, I saw you had a mustache. You hadn't shaved it off, and I wondered. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm gonna say that. You know, that's my day. You know in trouble. You. He hollered. I'm just kidding, y'all. <laughs> but if you were a transgender woman. And and I find you to be an attractive woman and I approach you. When is the right time to disclose? Hey, I'm transgender. Do, do, you don't come off the bat, off the rip and just start saying, hey, I'm looking for a husband. You, nobody does that. Why? Because it's immediately repulsive to the person to whom whom, you, whom you're trying to attract. So at but what you point should know, though. do you disclose that? You should that? know if the person that you're trying to talk to is going to be repulsed by you. I think that's some information that might be helpful for you. How do you, you know that? Well, we just met. We whether, just met. How do you know that? But you that? just said yourself. You you just said yourself. You know you're not saying it because you feel like the other person is going to be repulsed. So now if that's if you feel like the other person is going to be repulsed, why do you want to be with someone who's going to be repulsed by your truth? You don't know that. You don't know if they're going to be repulsed. And the only you way like you're going to know until you say it. So then say it and give that person an opportunity to either be the person you want them to be or you first want to do a relationship or be repulsed and then you go find someone else. So to, to get back to the question, hey, do I you would, do that first on date, the first date or before the first date? Hey, I would say the first date. And, and I'll say this to say because I remember dating someone who told me on our first phone call, hey, I have a kid. And I very much appreciate it. And when we continued to date, it wasn't an issue with me. But I'm just saying, why not reveal your truth in the beginning? Because some people can't handle the truth. Because you can't handle the truth. That's not a person that needs to be in your friend circle if they can't handle your truth. That is not exactly true. Because here's the deal. Some people, you ever met somebody who you said, ooh, they are ugly? There's not no way in this world I would ever I'm date this person. looking at them right now. And yet you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would never date me because I'm your cousin. So first of all, secondly, because we've already had this conversation about what you bring to the table. So, <laughs> But think about this. You met some people before that you said they're not attractive. This is not somebody who I would be attracted to. But as you got to know them in a different context, whether it was being a classmate, study mate, uh, co-worker or whatever, you got to know them. You're like, you know what? This person is actually a really great person and they don't look nearly as hideous as they looked before. I could actually see myself going out on a date with this person. And you, you're, you're suggesting that people automatically cancel a relationship that could actually flourish into something significant and meaningful at the outset based off of something superficial. You I'm never know if somebody, well, Again, you are because you're, you you're suggesting that they put themselves. It's not something superficial. That is your truth. You are transgender. That is not superficial. That but is that your person's truth. And that is response what you to you. Is. That person's response to it's you on the surface may be superficial. 
It, it, may it doesn't be matter. It's not your responsibility. Know. You, if you identify as transgender, that is not superficial for one. But for two, and I'm sure you've heard these stories about, uh, particularly as it relates to men who have killed transgender women because they waited to identify that information or to disclose that information. To I'm, their not saying, I'm not saying and wait so, for like months and months or anything like hey, that. But what is I'm the not harm sure in that, saying it in the beginning? What I'm is not the sure, harm? You can't. Okay, here's the harm. Here's the harm. Let me tell you the harm. How many dates have you gone on or before the date actually occurred? Have you said, you know, I really want to be married? You know? You know, I desperately I, want I said, to be I, I, Because, first of all, it's not true. There's no really want and there's no desperately <laughs> want. <okay? laughs> but, I mean, I say in the beginning, hey, I'm not just dating today. I mean, I, I would like to be married at some point. And so I am dating. In, the beginning, in yes, the beginning. In the beginning. Where's, where, where, is, where is the beginning? Where is the beginning? Do you say that maybe, when this person walks up to week. you? That person. Well, okay. So there's a different story. Somebody walks up to you and they introduce themselves to you. My question to you is when do you disclose intimate information, your gender, your birth gender, your orientation, your criminal record, your, 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 your desires for future relationship, marriage, children, those things are intimate details. You don't share intimate details with somebody. You just waiting. I don't like you equating um, being your your identity as a transgender person in the same vein as your either desire to be married or your desire to have a certain house or your desire to have a certain income. I don't think the two are the same. But to me, most importantly, if if you're talking about, hey, you just happen to be at a club or you happen to be in a, in a, in a mall or whatever, and you're having a casual conversation with someone, yeah, fine. No, I don't need to know your your identity at that point. But if you're talking about we are talking or, or having, and I, and I use my young age to say, oh, we're talking. We're just not, we're, we're not in a official relationship, but we, we're exploring that. Yes, that needs to be revealed to me in that, so in, during again, that stage. <laughs> again, we're back to the original question, which you're as playing attorney. You're playing. Yes. You're playing attorney on me because I'm you're not, not answering the all. question. I have answered and the your question, question was from the very at what point? At in what the beginning, point? I will stay in the beginning. What are you calling the beginning? Is it. it like the first encounter? Is it the second Again, or third encounter? Or as you see, or as you see that the relationship is developing something Again, where it's going if somewhere. Our first encounter is just casual acquaintances. No, not at all. But if okay. you're talking about okay, y'all first are, date. <laughs> Yes. First date, I need to know. First date. Because it's a date. Yes, you need to disclose it. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know about that. I don't know about that because... And I um, really feel bad for guys, particularly because, again, I see the stories of guys who find out later on and are extremely upset and some to the point of committing harm on that person. And it, and again, I will say this all day long. It is so wrong for you to injure or kill or do anything harmful to someone based on their status or gender identity or whatever. But I'm also saying, okay, for the safety of that person, please be honest. Don't put yourself in this situation where you are then having to fight for your life. Sometimes you may have to do it from doing it at the beginning. You don't know who the person (laughs) is that you're going out with on a date. You don't know whether they're extreme uh, homophobic or if they're extreme. I mean, that's for everybody. Psychopath. I could get killed on the first date, but I mean, (laughs) but I'm still showing my truth. (laughs) And that's what I'm just saying. There's no, there's nothing wrong with staying your truth on that first date. Nothing wrong with it. Here's my belief. And I know you didn't ask for it, but I'm going to give it to you. (laughs) (laughs) I think that um, I don't think that you should disclose intimate details too soon. Uh, I do think that whether if I have a penis, but I desire to have a vagina, then I think that's an intimate detail. And that's really none of your business until we have developed a substantial enough relationship for me to disclose that information, that intimate detail to you. So how do I then handle myself in that relationship? Well, I haven't dated for well over 30 years now, uh, anybody other than my (laughs) wife. So it's a whole different world for me. But if I were in that situation today, 
what I would do if I were that transgender person and even if I was the person who was interested in that person, that that person who I viewed to be attractive, I would rather they hold off on any intimate relationship or interactions, any physical intimacy, whether you kiss me or whatever else, hold off on that until you have disclosed it. And so I think we can develop a friendship and we can develop a relationship long before physical intimacy gets involved. And I think the problem is by the time you become physical, physically intimate with somebody, that should be disclosed. But if we're just having, if we're, we're, we're getting to know each other by Zoom or FaceTime and other stuff like that, I don't think that I need to disclose that. And I don't think that you would need to disclose that um, immediately. Because let's let's give this a chance to grow. After we've now established some relationship and have had said, hey, we've got a lot of things in common, I may now ex uh, explain to you, hey, I have a history of a criminal record. I've, I have a history <laughs> of, of drug addiction. And I know people probably don't like me putting that, and somebody's going to get upset because I compared compare yeah, you know, I don't transsexualism. Think you compare that thing. I don't think you I'm not comparing thing. those. I'm not comparing <laughs> those. But what I am saying is that there are there are people who have negative perceptions about transgender people who have uh, negative perceptions, and most people have negative perceptions about alcohol. Oh, no, we'll see most people, but a lot but of people have negative perceptions about alcoholism. Just because someone and, and, doesn't want to date someone that is trans does not mean they have a negative perception of a trans person. Just I like didn't say I would, that. I didn't say that's that. what I'm saying. So I don't, say don't, don't put but it I'm as saying if, that there are. Oh, but do you, you deny what I said? It's a negative. I also do did you want to deny make what sure I said. I said there are some. The reason why the reason the whole purpose. Sonia, the whole purpose of me saying that was not to compare them as being equally negative or negative at all. I compared them because I didn't even compare them. I used them in the same context because there are people who do view it as being negative. Whether you're one of those people or I'm one of those people is irrelevant, but there are people who do believe it. And I think we both actually agree with that. But I think that's not relevant to this conversation. To me, the relevancy of the conversation is every, and I think this is at the heart of it is, it's a subjective conversation. Everyone is going to have a different opinion on the type of person they want to date or marry or whatever. And that is fair. It is fine for you, from my standpoint, to be discriminatory when it comes to who you marry. And so by that vein, you know, if if you are someone who is like, hey, you know, that's not a big deal. You don't have to tell me from the beginning. By all means, let that be you. That's not me. I want to know from the beginning <laughs> if you are a transgender um, male. Um, but to me, it is a matter of, hey, I still know that the type of person I want to be with is someone who was born a male. And that to me is OK, just like it is OK for a transgender um, individual, and some of them date their same sex and some of them don't, um, to also have their preference. <laughs> but there are some people who are open to more things than you or I may be. And so they might say, you know, I would never have dated or thought I would have dated somebody who was trans until after we started developing a, a very intense and emotional and a, and a deeper relationship than just a physical one. And so now they say, you know, I don't want to be without you. And I don't want this to be something that stops us from being together. And I think that when people require someone to um, immediately disclose, they may mind to, to, to immediately disclose intimate details. If you require that, then, you know, that's your prerogative. But you also may find yourself missing out on some very important and intimate relationships that could develop as a result. Just because you reveal it doesn't mean I'm like, get out of my life. I never want to see you again. And so to your point, if, if you're not concerned about that, by all means, that's your prerogative. That's your subjective view. Uh, but now if we're talking about employment and all that, no, you don't need to tell me if I'm thinking about hiring you, whether or not you're transgender, not relevant, you know, but I just don't think the same rules apply in, in terms of more personal relationships. Well, because we are out of time, I'm just going to say, you're right, Sonia. <laughs> I mean, that's how we end it. <laughs> that's the only way to, that's the only way to end an argument with you. <laughs> you're right, Sonia. <laughs> 
Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And as we would like to know what you guys think has been one of those tough and controversial shows that we have on today. Please don't suspend us. <laughs> Please <laughs> tune in next week, uh, next Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Check us out on your favorite podcast platform and also on Star Radio. So then have a good week. See you later. This has been another episode of the Roundtable Consult. Listen to this or other episodes at your convenience on your favorite podcast directory or listening app. Or catch us live every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern at facebook.com forward slash roundtable consult. Tune in live and join the conversation.